Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, friends, and welcome to season three of Quit Your Day Job. I am your host, Alicia Fernandez-Miranda. In this podcast, you'll learn all about the fascinating jobs that people do, some that you might never have even heard of, as you contemplate your own possibilities. I started this podcast because I've always been fascinated by jobs. I even quit my own day job to spend a year as an intern, and you can read all about it in my new book, My What If Year?, It's out now and can be bought everywhere books are sold. Or head over to my website, aliciafmiranda.com, for more info. In these times of quiet quitting and great resignations and loud quitting or whatever, I think more people than ever want to follow their passion. Everyone on this podcast has, and I encourage you to do the same. Hello, Quit Your Day Job friends. I have so much joy to bring you today in the form of an interview with a real-life joyologist, Trisha Huffman. So I was on Trisha's podcast, Claim It, and loved her story so much I had to have her on Quit Your Day Job with me. So Trisha is a rock and roll roadie at heart and by first career. She is a speaker, author, podcast host, and writer of the book, F the Shoulds, Do the Wants who specializes in working with passionate creatives in the public eye to keep them aligned with who they are, in integrity with their commitments, while also enjoying the life they are living inside and outside of work. She is based in Los Angeles, where she is raising her strong-willed, independent, creative daughters and effing the shoulds while claiming joy daily. I hope you love this episode. So, Trisha, I've got the joyologist here today on Quit Your Day Job. Yes. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm so excited. (laughs) We were just chatting among the things that are very joyful that like, as we're trying to get on this podcast, we're like fixing the dryer, making sure the kids are at school, texting to make sure we don't forget things. It's like all of those life things that come together. And one of the things I love about you and what you're doing is that you are kind of bringing it all in and together and you're centering joy and you're using it. So I'm just so excited to have this conversation with you. Awesome. Now, before we get into learning more about you, your life, your work, your experiences, I'm going to ask you for a top five. I've been going back and forth this season. I did some this or that rounds. I did a thumbs up, thumbs down edition. And I was going to do one for you on like the Grammys because I know you work with a lot of Grammy winning artists. And I couldn't come up with enough ideas. And then I watched a video that you shared recently that you were kind of having a challenging time and you were talking about the things you were doing to make yourself feel better. And so what I really wanted to ask you for our little warm up was your top five things that are bringing you joy right now in your life. Mm, Top five things bringing me joy or like my joy go-tos. That's also great. 
Yeah. Well, like, we'll see. So, uh, music is always one, and that's always such a great thing to turn to that we can like forget, like, oh, wow, I'm feeling miserable. Like, oh, let me put on some music that would like wake me up or make me feel better. So, music's good. And so, music on its own, but also I love having dance parties with my kids. Like, so that's kind of a separate thing because music will be a go to for me to bring joy and like, just, yeah, like having a dance party with my kids is fun. And sometimes we'll even be, honestly, you, I think, right, you, when you were on my podcast talking about karaoke. Oh, like, yeah. Right? That's that what, that's what I do. Like, yes. Right, right. And I loved that so much. And I was like, I'm going to start doing that. And I haven't, I don't think I've done it solo yet, but my kids and I, like, we'll sort of do it. So we'll like, we'll like turn on like, and we'll take turns. So, but it sort of turns into karaoke dance party. So one yes. person has to pick their song and then like, you know, they try to sing along or whatever. And then we're like dancing to it too. Mm. What else is bringing me joy these days? Sure. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and that is it. And one of the things again, that I like to do that it's like, I call it a wonder walk where I just force myself out the front door and I say any minutes, like walk for any minutes. Cause if it's like, Oh, I got to take a 20 minute walk, like a 30 minute, 45 minute walk. Like a lot of times we keep ourselves from doing things because we make it too hard or it's going to take too long. So I'm like any minutes and I just walk outside and like be present with nature. And it really does something to me. And I end up like making stories up about the plants. Love like I, I shot one on Instagram like yesterday to it or, or something. And it was like, Oh, this plant, I don't know. It looks like it make, make, makes me want it. It wants to shake my hand like this, you know, like this plant looks like it has a big heart. Like, look at all of these people. Is this a family? Like these plants are like growing all together. Oh I wonder God, if they yes. get along. Like I just like, I'm really present in nature now. I like look at things and then I don't know. It just really, again, shifts something in me. Like I usually do it when I'm in a bit of a funk and then it's like go out there and I'm so present and it shifts. Food is always a big joy. <laughs> I love getting joy from food. And this has been a since since yeah we're like naming the top things mixing ketchup and I have vegan mayonnaise I'm not vegan but I'm allergic to eggs and then like dipping roasted sweet potatoes in this mixture oh my god that sounds so good ketchup and yeah. this vegan mayo it's like, like that. Thousand Island like, dressing I can't just say food like let me tell you one of the foods that I will be like oh I know but uh, well. First of all, that's like pretty healthy, I would say. Have you it, did you yeah. did you grow up with Thousand Island dressing? Was that a thing? No, because that's yeah. what it basically is, and it was yeah, a craft Thousand Island that. dressing. It's 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 like ch- gloppy. It's kind of gross. It was the only way my mom could get us to eat salad because it's full of sugar, and she would just like drizzle yeah. it on top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't. I remember Thousand Island dressing. I don't know if I ever like got into eating. <laughs> I feel like you might have liked it. It's that that like secret sauce on like all fast food sandwiches and stuff. They're like, it's Mm. our secret sauce. And they're like, what? I was like, this is so healthy. I can't believe I'm eating salad. I'm just like, basically, I'm basically on a cleanse. No, um, it's not like that. But it's, it's sort of ketchup and mustard together that make whatever goes into it. I digress. But I think that's a great one. Mine is chocolate chip cookies, which is way less healthy than sweet potato dipped in ketchup and vegan mayo mix. And okay, last one, it's honestly, it's having like one-on-one conversations with people like this really does. And again, no matter what kind of mood I have, no matter what's weighing on me, whatever's happening in my life, when I am like having a conversation with one, like one other person, especially for podcasts, because it is like, it's such an interesting thing. Like we are like showing up to be like, 
what are we going to talk about? I don't know. And it's sort of like a lot of times anything's on the table. I don't know. And I don't, it's like, I'm getting emotional right now because a lot of times in life, even with the people we love, our deep friends, we're, we're just talking about like stuff or we're busy or this or the kids that, and oh, I'm exhausted about this. And like the conversations that I have with people on podcasts, like are, I'm just so like locked in. It's just a whole different thing. And I want to have more of these conversations in real life. That's like- <laughs> such a good point. But that's such a good point because it is really kind of intimate when it's just like you and another person, even if it's just on the screen, obviously everything's down, life. notifications yes. off. Hello, I'm showing up and I am so present. Like, so if you've noticed, really a lot of my joy stuff ends up with being like very present. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Present with music. Now, the last thing you have to tell me before we move on is like, what do you have one artist or one song that you go to or one playlist, or is it just whatever your mood is striking you? Because you have a background in music, so you must think a lot about what you listen to. Somewhat. And that was actually, though, one of the areas that I didn't allow myself to have much freedom. And I like judged myself for like, so after, yeah, like I loved music. That's what got me into the career I was in, was so into diverse music, was in the music industry for a long time. And then like while I was in it and then also while like shifting out of like doing sound that I realized I would judge myself for like liking pop music because what? I'm like (laughs) a music lover and I worked in the industry and I was like, you know, the manager of a record store when I was in high school, like, Oh, that you know is I mean? cool. So I realized I would judge myself. So uh, Justin Bieber's Pandora Station is honestly one of my usual go-tos. Yes. And I would be so like, that was one of the things that we steal joy from ourselves by not allowing ourselves to enjoy the things that we enjoy. Like when I first finally, like, I think I started liking Justin Bieber. It was over 10 years ago, like when he teamed up with Skrillex. Yes. And then I was like, oh my gosh, this. But then almost every song since then, I'm still like, oh. You hear something and it's a jam. Is like, you know, pop music itself these days is like more like dance music. But yeah, but it it really, uh, it took me a while to be like, I like this music and that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) You can can talk, you can talk about that because I would have like this shame, like, oh gosh. And I can't tell people. And what if people heard me? And it's, it's who cares? Yeah. But yeah, it really, Justin Bieber's Pandora Station is a, a good go-to. I also like Maggie Rogers, you know, if I'm feeling more like a moody, mm-hmm. emotional stuff. But if I want like upbeat stuff, it's, it's, I'm usually going for pop. Oh, I sometimes will go like my, like, you know, like TLC, don't go chasing. Like, you know, I'll go back to like my yes. high school. Oh, monster ballads too. That's. Monster. Mm. I loved like the Monster at Ballads like CD, and I will sometimes dig back those songs. Oh my god! Like, Heaven right. isn't too far away. <laughs> this is basically going to be a karaoke podcast, is what we're saying. I did that the other day with uh, Miley Cyrus, where I was like, I don't like that many Miley Cyrus songs, and then I put it on Spotify, and I was like, Oh, actually, I like every Miley Cyrus song. <laughs> I, <love it. laughs> I texted my husband. I was like, Who knew Miley Cyrus was so good? He was like, Everybody. Knew Miley Cyrus was so good. But it's a right. good point, though, because I feel like if somebody would have been like, certainly, maybe less so now in my life, but maybe 10 years ago, I would have been like, oh, no, 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 I'm I'm much too cool for that. Now I'm not cool at all anymore. So it's totally fine. Whatever I listen to, nobody. Same, I had to like filter it through like, who are you? What would be okay for you to like, oh, you think, or also the idea you automatically think because I've been in music 
I'm like into like, oh, these things or whatever. And I'll still like, because again, back in the day, I did know new up and coming and was mm. into that. So I would still have like friends or cousins and be like, what do you listen to now? Like they want this like new and I'm like. <laughs> so it's also like this, the like, beeb, the beeb. People are expecting this of me or something. And I'm like. <laughs> oh my God. So you did great at that. We could talk about music probably all day because, you know, Eurovision is coming up and that's a whole genre that I am obsessed with, but we won't, we won't go that far. Um, but the first thing I need you to do is tell everybody what is a joyologist? Mm, yeah. Good question. <laughs> Why? Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So how I define it and it's not like a, here's the perfect sentence that you're going to put on my bio. But so basically I feel, I don't feel, I know life is hard. It's unfair. No matter who you are, no matter the life you were born into, no matter how good you have, no matter how much dreams have you've had come true, no matter how, how much success you have, life is hard and life is unfair and there are challenges. And life is too short and too precious to just only be living in that, that pain. But a lot of times we are creating the pain for ourselves. Like that stuff happens. And also a lot of times we're creating the mental pain that doesn't allow us, us to like experience joy and to be present to what we have. So for me, the idea is to not like ignore the hard parts of life, to be present to all of that and to make space for joy and to see that like this is your life and it's happening right now and it could all end tomorrow so wherever you are on the spectrum of whatever you're wanting and you're this isn't happening and this isn't that whatever things we have progress for cha change right for making changes in our life for making our dreams come true and also you have today so no matter what you're working on no matter what you're working through how can you show up for yourself today and claim some joy? I love that. And I loved it when we first chatted. And so how did you get here? Take me through your story. Like, how did you end up being a music listening to sometimes karaoke singing, any minutes walker who talks to plants and puts joy in your life every day? What, how, how did, how did that start? Surely that was not the thing you thought you wanted to do when you were a kid and you were planning what your job was going to be. Maybe yeah, it was, so, that would have been very cool, but <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it has been a, a long journey. So I, I always say that the, there were these two key moments in my life that, you know, made this be my path in life. One was from a young age, I really do feel like I was looking at things like what was going on here? Like understanding that we, many people were playing games in a way and, and also saying like my parents weren't happy. And so very, from a young age being like, why do I listen to adults? Like, they don't seem like they, you know, like they're happy. Like, what is the point of this? And then just also like just seeing kids playing games of like, well, we don't like Susie today. And I would be like, but I do like Susie. <laughs> I don't get it. Like, you know, like, <laughs> and but also like really, I had a lot of physical and pain that was undiagnosed. So that was really challenging for me. Um, but I also realized, especially like this moment happened when I was 15, seeing I also just everything felt so complicated and hard. Like, do I raise my hand 
in class. I know the answer, but do I raise my hand or not? Like, what does that mean about me if I raise my hand? Is it a good thing that I know the answer? Is it a good thing that I'm smart? Or does that mean I'm like a show off or this? So like, I really like would feel this weight. It's like back then, if you would ask me like, what's your favorite song? Then again, it would have been like this moment of like panic and be like, what's the cool answer? What's the right Right. answer? What's the best answer? So like looking through these filters of where is my answer? What should I be saying? And also being present to the fact that I was doing this. And I, and I will say it, and I describe it in my book is like, I both wanted to stand out and fit in. And recently, like looking at that, I'm like, well, that's not necessarily the truth. Like that does describe it. I wanted to to like, but really what it was is that I wanted to feel like I belonged, but I really actually just wanted to be accepted. Hmm. So I really deeply, I wanted to be myself. I didn't want to be like, look at me, everyone. Like, so I would say I wanted to stand out, but I didn't want to like stand out and be like in front of stage and whatever. And I also didn't want to fit in. I really was deeply craving to be myself and be accepted for who I was. But at the same time, I didn't know who the heck I was and was just like, hello, accept me. So what should I do? What should I say with this? Like, I want to be one of the cool kids. And I was like, again, like I actually was a cool kid. I was the this. And like, you You were managing the record store. You would have been the coolest kid in my high school. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But like, so just like really like this deep, I had this deep, you know, I think we all have it, but like, really, I felt that weight of like wanting to be accepted so bad, but then like not me, not accepting my figuring out who I was to be able to even accept myself for people to do that. But it came down to this moment where because of the chronic pain and everything, I did think about ending my life a lot. Misdiagnosed, that was at the, you know, when people didn't really know about invisible illnesses and stuff. So like, you don't, you know, like not being taken seriously and feeling really alone in that. And I didn't sleep well because of it. So I had a sort of really gigantic breakdown moment where it was like, you're either going to follow through with that plan, like, or then it was just like, and I got so serious about it that I gave myself like an ultimatum. So you either do it or you got to do something else. Mm -hmm. And the language I have for it now is obviously not how it came to my mind, but it was basically like, you have to like either do that, get carry through with that plan or choose to live life a different way. And so I had, I saw, I was like, from now on, I I am going to choose. I'm going to choose to live. I'm going to choose to live my life. And I'm going to try my hardest to make what I think more important than what I'm worried everybody else may think. Mm. Like, so I did make that choice at 15, like seeing I couldn't do anything about the physical pain, but I could do something about the mental pain I was causing myself. That was, you know, it almost might've been worse (laughs) than the undiagnosed stuff that was happening of like really like weighing it out. So I, I moved through my life from that point of I'm choosing to live my life. Like I'm choosing to be alive. I'm choosing to live my life. And like, again, like trying to care more about what I think than other people. And that's still a daily, (laughs) let me come back to that because we are just automatically programmed to what do people think about me? You know, when you ask me what music I like, then I automatically, that did want to come up. Oh my gosh, what do I say? Okay, here's the truth. Like, (laughs) and that's okay. And like, I'm okay with that. Like, 
So that put me on a path where I did start to follow whatever I wanted and didn't care about what other people thought and really felt like I was living, I lived like my dream life. That did lead me to becoming a live touring sound engineer, which was amazing, incredible, like touring with icons around the world. And then like in my spare time would just travel on my own too. Like I really like did what I wanted and I loved it. And also along the way, I got diagnosed with fibromyalgia. I started taking really good care of myself, my health, because the pills didn't work. So like I I had a lot of like personal growth and physical, you know, like wellness and stuff from an early age from just like, I chose, I want, I also like, I chose to live and that the pain wasn't going to hold me back. Like Mm -hmm. in many ways, my pain has propelled me like I only, it really also made me only do things that brought me joy. Like I remember having a job when I was a teenager and I felt miserable when I was there. Like I could, my pain felt worse when I was there. And I was like, oh, I can't work here even anymore. Like I, I'm not I, like, yeah. so it really like my pain in many ways made me be like, I can only do the things that bring me joy because when you're in joy, then it's easier to do the things that are challenging. Yeah. When you're doing what you want, it's easier to commit to it. Because, you know, like it was hard to get to the, where I got to, it was, it was incredibly challenging work and stressful, but I wanted it. And it was what I wanted, not what I should do or what anybody else told me to do. So like that made it worth it. And then my dad passed away suddenly in like a accident when he was 57. And that shook me up more than I could have ever expected. And it, I like gave up my life. Like I was like, I can't do sound anymore. I just need to find a way. Like I just wanted, I was like, I just want to shake people up and wake them up to the fact that this is their life and it could end tomorrow. And I just felt like everywhere I went around the world, people looked miserable. And again, I was like, I get it. Like I'm like grieving my dad and life is hard and also, but I just was like, I just wanted to shake people. And I also was like, wait a minute, the people that that I got to know that I worked with directly and also who I then was in the bubbles of and crossing paths with at award shows and whatever backstage at TV shows at recording studios, like these people who have it all, who have everything that they could have ever dreamed of. Mm. They even had like supportive loved ones, you know, hop on a private jet to this Island, bought the same shoes over and over again (laughs) because they forgot they had them. Like, we're making their music that they wanted to make, that they still, a lot of the times, looked miserable. And so again, so I just was so pissed off. (laughs) And it, it was like, I no longer can live, just live my life this way. I have to do something to wake other people up to living their lives and to choosing like their joy and their ones. So I gave up my life and I didn't know what I was gonna do. And I- somewhere got the idea or someone told me to, and I can't figure out where it came from to give up the word should. And it didn't make any sense to me because Mm. I didn't live a life of shoulds. Like I was like, I do what I want. So, okay, cool. Like, yeah, I'll try that on. That's gonna be so easy for me. Like, Ah. all right, whatever, like, (laughs) cool. And I was shocked at how much I used the word and I committed so deeply that I would be in conversation and be like, what should, what do I say? Like, I wouldn't say the word I would stop. And it would really make me, what do you say? What do you say? And so I try different words out. And what I realized is about 95% of the time, the best word was want to change it out for. 
And what I realized by we're on living in the shoulds, like I said, most of the times we're unconscious that we're even using the word. And so that's also we're unconscious as the how we're making our choices. Right. So we're outsourcing our life choices. What should I eat today? I should wake up. I should be, and, and, and how we feel about ourselves too. And we don't realize it. So mm-hmm. like, like the thing actually I was writing down that I was like, oh, I wanted to remember to write to this later was like your situation doesn't matter. It's how you feel about that situation. Right. So if you're like in a time right now when you're unemployed or you're single or you're divorced or whatever, these things that we can create shame about or, mm-hmm. oh no, or this is whatever our struggle, like we will define ourselves by that. And it doesn't matter. It's how you feel about that situation. And that's like the shoulds. A lot of times we're not, we're just like, we're constantly in the sphere of being judged. We are outsourcing our life choices. We're not, we have no idea what even we want or or why we want it. And when we switch just the word out to want, then it lands back in your body. Like, oh, even if you're saying the exact same thing, it's a whole different energy. So that changed my life and so much that I wrote a whole book about it. And it made me just so much more mindful to everything I thought and felt um, and believed in everything and this access to question it in a way. And yeah, I went on to then create a role for the same people that I uh, worked with as a sound engineer as to take care of their mental well-being. Because again, I saw that these people who have it all are are miserable living their dream life. So I created a role and that's where I got the title joyologist. That's where it came from. And it was to keep like the artists in integrity with themselves. And so they're actually enjoying their lives to help them set boundaries um, also take care of like, yeah, their physical well-being too. And then that turned into all the other things that I did over all the people. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I love this because... On so many levels. So one, you have this like incredible philosophy and uh, approach to thinking about life and thinking about how you deal with different struggles and how you, you know, exactly what you're just saying about your situation, how you feel about your situation. So you kind of have this great concept. And then what you've done is you have turned that into, you know, your vocation and your business. So you've got this book, you've got your YouTube channel, you've got coaching that you do as well. Did that happen organically, did you just start working with people and then you realized this can be my full gig? This is going to be what I'm going to be doing, you know, in my quote unquote nine to five and beyond that, I'm sure. Or did you kind of sit down and say, no, I think I actually have something here and let me think about how I parlay this into a business? No. So like I said, I, at that time when this happened, I had been 
working in, you know, concert music production for a decade. And that was at the start of almost, yeah, I started almost a decade. So I started when I was 19 to do sound at House of Blues, Chicago. That's where I started while I was in college. And then I started touring when I was like 22 or 23. And at the age of 25, I was working for Dolly Parton, like controlling what she heard on stage every so night. So cool. So like- jo- Jolene is was- a great karaoke song, by the way, <laughs> when you're doing karaoke with your daughters. But so that was like the world I was in. So when this happened, I was supposed to be on tour for an entire year. And I didn't have, I was sort of the person that like, I saved enough money to like live during the dead times. Cause when you were touring, you could be touring. Like I could be touring, touring for somebody for like a year and a half and then, okay, that gig is in or like whatever, but there'd be like months off and stuff. So I didn't have any money saved up. I was prepared to go on this world tour for the next two years. Um, And that happened in March, my father passing away. So I gave everything up and I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing. I need to change people's lives. And I took like the rest of that year to figure it out. I got certified as a yoga teacher because yoga was a big thing to me. And I'd had the time I got really into like, also I like did a lot of like education, but it was all for the, like, I know that I have to do something to like wake people up. So for this is also before like online businesses were like such a thing and like social media, like Facebook was happening back then, but uh, Instagram, I don't think was, but yeah. So I first just took it back to the world I knew. And so, like I said, I sold a service to artists. So I went back out on tour and would get booked for like, you know, again, like their tours. So Mm -hmm. I would end up working for like an artist for a year and a half and then like, okay, I have time off. And then again, it would sort of just be like, and I, at that time I did start social media, oh, Twitter. I did, I would tweet on tour and I would be tweeting out these like inspirational messages. And I didn't have like huge platform, but it was still like, oh, wow, people are interested in what I'm saying. I started a blog back then. And I was like, here we go. Maybe I'm meant to be a writer. I'm going to write a book. So like over 10 years ago, I was like, I'm going to share all these insights and stuff through a book. Um, and so then I would like get finished with the Jahor and like, oh, I'm going to move to New York now because I've always wanted to move to New York. And I did that. And I would sort of like, just be like, oh, I can offer, I see people doing these webinars. Like I saw Gabby Bernstein already had probably had her first book out by then. She was offering webinars and I was like, oh, what's a webinar? I can offer a webinar. Like Love I did just like, sort of like, okay, I'll do this. Oh, I, I, th- I can probably coach people. So I sort of started to take clients when I wasn't on tour and then I would go back on tour. Mm. And then, so it would like bob and weave. And then, but I, I was always doing that joyology work. Yeah. So it wasn't like with an idea though, this is my career, my nine to five. Cause I also had never had a nine to five. Right. <laughs> so it's your like 10 to 4 a.m. for a year and a half or whatever to, it might to, be. You know, to support myself. And then, yeah, like, oh, I can offer this and I can offer that. But yeah, I went and like I said, I would sort of take tours, but I also wouldn't just be like, as soon as the tour ended, let me find, like, I knew I, I wanted down space. And then I would take time to just, okay, what do I want to do now? What feels good? What's this? And like, would just live off my savings. And then, like I said, I would like still be like writing and putting things on social media and writing to my blog. And then eventually I knew that I, I knew, I always knew I wanted to have kids. And so I was like, I can't continue to tour and have kids. Right. So I need to figure out something for us. So then I, I quit touring, which is really hard for me. Um, and then that's when I sort of did, I started, that's when I ended up off, um, doing the 
own your awesome affirmation deck. I created an affirmation deck and did like a Kickstarter for it. And I was like, oh, I'll make products. So I did start making products. I started then offering my first group coaching program. So it sort of naturally evolved. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, now I want to start a podcast. I finally did get myself together to write a book uh, after however many years of saying (laughs) it. And so, yeah, it's, it's sort of naturally evolved, but without... Like, yeah, I wasn't like, let me sit down and write at a business plan, you know? Yeah. I love it. But you took advantage of it. It was sort of the only option for me also. Like I made that commitment too of like, no, I'm going to wake people up to living their lives, but it wasn't. And this is how it's done. Yeah. There was like not necessarily a blueprint to follow, right? You just kind of went for it. I love but, and it. also like, even in my mind, it's still not, this is how it's done. Like, I will be like, great. I'll work for one person. Oh, okay. Now maybe I'll write a book for all the people. Okay. Now I'm going to offer group coaching programs. Now, you know what? Now I'm feeling more drawn to working back with individuals and like, it's too, it's like the why is still there, but it's not necessarily important for like how I'm yeah. doing it because there's no right should way too. It's just, again, like I'm always moving from what feels best to me, not this is the way you should be influencing the world, or this is the way you should be spreading joy. This is the way you should build the way you want to be doing those things. I love it. It's an extension of your philosophy. Now I was doing my research when we were, when I was prepping for this call and I listened to you on the Divorce Doctor podcast. So I went deep. Wow, that's an interesting one. I went deep. But I was, I was fascinated because that you were asked on the podcast to use one word to describe your divorce and separation. And you said exhilarating. And it reminded me of, you you did, I'm bringing it all back. See, everything lives on the internet and never dies. It reminded me of a really difficult professional situation I went through a few years ago before my what if year. And I was in a big conflict with a former business partner. And it felt very personal and I was very angry. And I had a coach at the time and she said to me, I need you to stop feeling angry about this and I need you to start feeling grateful that this has been thrown at you because years down the line, this experience will have taught you so much and it will be a moment in which you really were able to grow and you learned and it made you stronger. And so you need to be grateful for the fact that this is going to do that. And at the time I thought it was total BS, but... She was right. And it made me think about this idea of thinking about something incredibly challenging that you go through in a taking up spin on it that is, okay, it's exhilarating or being, as Kedge was saying, you know, being grateful for these challenges. Are you grateful for the challenging elements of your life? Do you think about it in that way? Or how do you reflect back on the really difficult times that you've had knowing that they have brought you to where you are now? Yeah, a hundred percent. And also... I'm also very clear and I like write about this in my book that you don't have to be grateful for it when you're going through the hard time. Like you can still understand, I get that this is for my best. I get that I'm going to be learning from this. I get that I'm going to look back and I'm going to know like and see how this had to happen and what it taught me. But like sometimes if you're trying to just like, I'm let me just be grateful for the situation, like blah, 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 like that can feel fake and not work. So yes. And I can think of like a real, like a terrible situation that I went through a few years ago that really like wrecked me in many ways that like, it took me like a long time to realize I was still shedding 
from like this thing that happened that really was like such a silly thing, you know, mm-hmm. too. Like it really was like not that big of a thing, but like, wow, that's so interesting how deeply that rooted into me and affected things. And even that, like, yeah, I can look back and be grateful for that situation because yeah, it did. Like, I don't like the pain and how it sort of like made me like, I can see in many ways how it sort of made me protect and go in. Like I'm getting emotional talking about Mm. it. In many ways, it's sort of like, oh, that person stole a year of my life or something like that. And they didn't, but like maybe diminished it, right? Or like that experience diminished. But yeah, like I did. I know I've learned from that. I've grown from that. Like, you know, it's like, it's kind of a hard thing to say like, oh, did I need to go through that situation? No, I'm not saying to anybody, you have to say like, oh, I needed that hard time to lay on this. But at the same time, like, yeah, I did. For every challenging situation, even looking back at the stuff that makes used to make me want to wince because that's one of the things I work on. And like, Mm -hmm. again, the shame and how I was hold on, like there used to be memories or times in my life that I'd be like, okay, don't look there. Don't look there. And like, you know, like, let's just not even go there. And now being like, I can have compassion for that younger version of me that really didn't know any better, even though I wish she did. And I should have known better Mm -hmm. and I shouldn't have acted that way. Like really being able to heal that, like, Hmm. Oh, 25 year old Trisha, (laughs) you know, like really being able to look back and love. And so even those things that I did, that I effed up, that I acted, you know, in a way that I'm like, Oh, that, yeah. Like that is all part of my lived experience in life. And that it does like I am, it's like, again, so you don't have to be grateful for it. Like I'm not, I'm so grateful that I acted like such an idiot back then, but like, (laughs) Yeah like the, the lessons are there. And I also just sort of look at life as if it's an experiment. Mm. So it's all like, oh, that happened, whether it's something that we're doing or that things that happen to us or happen in life and like, okay, all right. And we're just showing up. It's like, we're on this like game of like, who's playing this adventurous game, (laughs) you know, it allows me again to like, just be present through it all. And like enjoy life because I don't know what the heck's happened next. Mm-hmm. I don't know who's in charge. Like, <laughs> same. <laughs> okay. So, how do you circle this square with your kids? Because I say should to my kids a lot, <laughs> even though I try to live a life where I don't say it to myself. I absolutely sometimes, why should you brush your teeth? Be- because I said so. I mean, well, you know, there's a lot of good dental research about that. But like, as a mom, and also a mom of daughters that are going to be, you know, thinking about growing older. I don't know how old your kids are now, but, you know, certainly there's that fragile time of adolescence and, you know, really feeling so overwhelmed by the expectations of others on you as a young woman and a young woman growing up. How do you do this as a mom? How do you apply this to your life as a mom? Um. So yeah, I don't use the word should at all. Even like in reading books, if the word should is there, then I edit it and swap it for the word choice that I believe they would make the best sense. And it's also interesting though, especially the younger one, how much she uses the word should. And that was something that shocked me from like, how can like the biggest influence in their life who doesn't say this word and even before, like they were going outside the home for school and stuff like that too. So it's just like, I guess on shows and things mm-hmm. that it would be like, I'm like, where are you getting this word? So I do try to edit with them to like, why we were saying it differently. Like, you know, what is what are you really saying? So for things like that, we're like, oh yeah, 
why should you brush your teeth? It's just like, well, this is why you want to brush your teeth because it's the same. Again, a lot of times it can be the same information, but you're just changing energy about it. Like, no, like brushing your teeth is something that we all need to do. We all must do because we want this and blah, blah, blah. Like, so it's actually like, for me, when I... I sort of see should as like a yield sign to like slow down. I'm like, well, what am I really saying? Well, what is this really? You know, in some ways too, I'll notice in marketing where they use the word should. And I'm like, if you just had dropped the should, it would actually be more powerful. Yeah. You know, in different ways. So it's, I do weave around that, but then even talking to them, it's just showing when they're like, well, I don't understand like why not using the word should. And I was like, well, because a lot of times we don't realize that when we're just going by shoulds, we're just saying what other people want from us and expect or what we think they want. And I'm like, if you, you know, if you think about it in diff- deeper, whether it's the want or just choosing different ways, then you get to figure out your connection to it and why it's for you. And I'm like, you know, and I will, but like, I'm clear with them. I'm like, you know, there's a lot going on out there in the world and you're going to grow and people are going to try to tell you who you should be and, you know, th- what you should believe and what you should look like and that. And like, and that's not all, that's not true. Like you get to decide what is right for you and what's this and like that. So, so I, I mean, from a very young age, I have not used the word with them and been clear with them when they use it. Like, hey, like, let's just look at what else that means. I don't correct my five-year-old. She's my youngest now. Every time she uses it, but <laughs> it does feel like a knife in my heart. <laughs> but again, oh, she doesn't well. know. Yeah, She course. doesn't know she's using it. But again, that's where I'm like, here, like she doesn't know she's using it. Most adults don't know that she's using it, like that they're using it. Um, Yeah. But yeah, but I do like really try to talk to them about it. And like, there's ways to say what we want to say, even with like, this is the importance of this without, no, you should just do it. Well, why? <laughs> because mommy said so. No, I'm going to actually, this is, this is such a, I feel like it's really like blown open something for me. I'm going to give myself a challenge of trying not to use the word should for like the next 48 hours and see what happens. So, but I, I, I don't want to wrap up our time together. And I don't know how to say that I time has need come. to do. The time has come without using the S word. So I love to finish my conversations up with a little bit of advice. I obviously think the first advice for somebody who wants to F the shoulds and do the wants is to go buy your book because that's what they should go do. But what other advice would you give to somebody who's thinking about this and feeling inspired? What would this person want? What? Oh my God, this is so hard. (laughs) How would one go about starting to F the shoulds and do the wants? Yeah. So definitely get the book because like I said, I go into way all the different layers and like how to actually make it practical because people are like, well, I can't just do whatever I want. And it's like, well, you know, I will even like help you with procrastination and all of that. And you can go to F the shoulds, do the once.com. Excellent. And also I do like, you don't have to like me. And also again, like we won't do something if it feels too big. So you don't have to be like, I'm never going to use the word. I'm going to do what that person, Trisha, the joyologist said, and I'm going (laughs) to never, but yeah, like, why don't you give yourself the challenge of for what for today? I'm going to really pay attention to this word and how much it comes up and how much I feel it. And again, it's like little things like, what should I wear? What should I eat? I should really be drinking more water. I shouldn't have another coffee. It might be that same. You might still make the same choices, but it's like, wow, (laughs) that's a lot. You realize of like the energy of also the shoulds like, oh, well, why don't I want to Right, I don't want to drink another coffee because that's going to make me feel like this. I want water then. So really just, yeah, like if you can make a commitment to like even just one day of like, let me pay attention to this word should, you will likely 
like me mind blown about how much it comes up. I love it. Trisha, thank you so much for being on Quit Your Day Job. I feel like you have probably inspired everybody out here to change their thinking and their vocabulary. I'm so grateful for your time today. Thank you. And also go do something that boosts your joy. Go claim some joy. I'm going to go. I have a 15 minute break before my next meeting. So I'm going to go and knock out some karaoke, one song in your honor before I come back. (laughs) Love it. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening to Quit Your Day Job. We are produced by Zibby Audio and want to send a huge thanks to Zibby Owens, Chelsea Grogan, and the team at Texture Sound for their support. Don't forget to buy your copy of my What If Year, which is out now. You can also sign up for my mailing list on aliciafmiranda.com or find me on Instagram at aliciafmiranda. It's the best place to hear about future podcasts and, of course, memes about Gilmore Girls. And if you decide to quit your day job, please share that too.